Supporter Notions is brought to you by FaceFace Games, Canada's number one source for magic singles and products. Check us out at facefacegames.com. I'm going to go with Searing Spear because Lightning Bolt isn't legal in standard. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Thanks, yeah. Irrefutable logic. Good evening and welcome to episode 68 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host, Chris. With me tonight, we have everybody! Everybody's back with us. First of all, it's Will. The Ravens won the Super Bowl. And we have Travis. Hello! And, um, there's, uh, somebody else who's occasionally on this show. It's a new member of the cast, actually. Oh, is it a new member of the yeah, cast? I think, uh, I think, I, I think her nickname is, uh, the Wyoming Whirlwind. Oh, right! I, I hear she's a fan of murdering things. Yes, yes. All right. Hi, Adina. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And I'm pretty sure it was setting things on fire, but okay. That's not what you're supposed to say. I'm sure you have a catchphrase that you normally say right around now. Hello, everybody. There it is. There we go. Everything is right with the world. So we are here this week to talk to you about the Pro Tour, which is happening probably as you're listening to this, or about to happen, or in the middle of happening. It's a standard format and draft, gatecrash draft, and it's going to be pretty interesting, uh, especially since a certain Japanese Hall of Fame nominee that wasn't has been doing his best to wreak havoc on the metagame. I'm not really sure you can call him a Hall of Fame nominee, like... He was a Hall of Fame inductee up to, like, a week before the ceremony. Well, yeah, but that's because he got disqualified for being um, slightly less than rapid. <laughs> for being a uh, cheater. So we're talking about Tomoharu Saito, who has been posting pictures of insanely consistent and or fast deck lists on Twitter for the past, what, week or so? About that that's caused several testing teams to say that right now the extent of their playtesting is refreshing his Twitter feed every couple of hours to see what he's come up with now. And speculators are going crazy on one one hybrid card. Yeah, uh, Boris Reckoner has gone nuts because he's putting it in every brew. It is a very, very good card. It's very difficult to deal with for other aggro decks. Well, it's a card. But well, I mean, it's a 3-3 three, three for 3 that can get first strike and is going to dome them at some point. But uh, right now, on face-to-face games, you can get one for $30. And what's impressive is the fact that they actually have some. They do, they have yeah, 12. And that's, that's significantly cheaper than you can find them in other places, so that's actually a really good price. I would not be surprised if once Pro Face-to-Face has some, they actually don't have any. Because there are, all, there are a lot of pros in Montreal, or on the way to Montreal, and I would imagine that card availability is not what it could be. Never mind that. Housing availability is not what it should be. 
Oh, really? Are Ruben you hosting Blatt? people, Will? No, but Ruben Bressler has to stay with Joshua Lemish. So, you know, but you know what? You know what, though? Ruben Bressler is going to have all of the sickest tech for standard. That is true. Uh, are you making me... I'm telling you, to... being a dirtle is contagious. He'll He'll get the bug. Darn it, that might mean I have to spend time with Joshua Lemish. Ah, he's a nice guy. We love you, Josh. But actually, uh, Ruben Bressler, well, like, KYT's organizing a group tomorrow, and Ruben Bressler's in it that's going out for uh, Schwartz's. Schwartz's is overrated. <laughs> uh, that's only because you can't have any. I've had it numerous times. I'm just not a big fan of smoked meat. Something wrong with you. Anyway. With a Pro Tour, of course, come several things. Of course, there's the traditional Pro Tour player draft, where groups of players get together and pick who they think is going to do well at the Pro Tour. And there's the Facebook game with the Fantasy Pro Tour, where you get to pick cards that you think are going to do well. So that's what we're going to start our show with today. We're going to go through our picks for the Fantasy Pro Tour, and discuss why we think each one is going to be good, and also talk about some decks that we think might see some play. So, let's start with you, Travis. The first category is Planeswalker. Who have you picked? I picked Little Miss Liliana of the Vale. Why? Because uh, her sacrifice ability is really good against the Hexproof deck, and I think it may make a splash. Is that still a thing, the Hexproof deck? I haven't really seen it get any play on the Star City circuit. I don't think so. I think it seemed to just more or less go away. Especially with especially with Boris Rector, like if they don't have a Rancor, he's he's just blocking all day. Or a Spectral Flight. That too. I mean, I don't know that it might have been just a a one tournament wonder, but I'll tell you what's not scaring people off it, and that's Glaring Spotlight. No, Glaring Spotlight is not scary at all. All right, let's see. What do you think, Adina? What's your Planeswalker going to be? Well, I kind of went back and forth between uh, Jace, Architect of Thought, and Garuk, um, Relentless, and I finally settled on uh, Jace, Architect of Thought, because pro players like blue. Pro players do like blue, and I think with a lot of small creatures in the format, being able to ding everything for one power might be uh, might be powerful. Yeah, and and I'm just thinking that's that's probably I mean any deck that's running Tamio is probably also going to be running the Jace Architect of Thought, um, but I think there may be some decks with with Jace that don't necessarily run Tamio. Is Jace Architect of Thought even the best Jace in the format? No, uh, I think in an aggro based format, yes. I think Jace Architect of Thought is not a bad pick. Uh, he does shut down aggro. Or at least give you some time to shut down aggro. Eh, eh. I still think Jace Memory of Depth is a better Jace if you're going with blue. There's going to be a lot of turn three um, Supreme Verdicts, and it seems like people are looking at Jace and the Failure Ground Yard to just grind out the game. Agreed. If you can get that point. I don't know, the race is fast, but the turn turn three Supreme Verdict really puts a slows down the red decks right now. So let's uh let's go to you then, Will. What do you think? Uh I was I was kinda hesitating back and forth. As much as I like uh Domri, uh I finally settled on uh Garrick Primal Hunter. Just because well 
here's the that thing. That would have been like, my second choice. The the three three beasts are extremely relevant. And as Travis said, like between whether if you're playing uh some kind of bank control deck, right, and you can turn three uh with a Supreme Verdict, right? Garrick is a fantastic follow up. The Jun decks are gonna be playing Garrick as well. Just because mm-hmm. like Jund also has uh there's like rolling templars they have in the board, which stop a lot of the aggro strategies there. So he's just like the three three is actually quite relevant in this format that he can it can block a lot of stuff without necessarily dying. Sure. The thing is, the triple green on the five mana, like some of the decks we tested uh, with our guy who's going to the pro tour, turn five is a luxury. Like I, 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 agree, I agree and disagree, right? Like there's, there's a lot of most of the decks have ways to kind of, you know, more or less uh, slow their opponent's speed off, right? Like I expect to see a lot of searing spheres being played. Uh, I'm not too sure what the bank control decks will be playing to slow it down, but it's just like of the planeswalkers that are available, this guy is really the one, or and of the cards that are available, right? This guy's really the one that, like, comes down and just starts taking control of the game. Now, I agree that getting there... I, I, don't think the, I don't think the triple green is as detrimental as you think. I think the turn five certainly will have some form of an impact, right? Especially with the super-fast green decks. But most of the gen decks have removal spells like Victim of Night, have Searing Spears, have Pillar of Flames that will be able to buy them turns to get there. I think you're asking a lot of a deck to have Victim of Night and Garrick Primal Hunter in it, though. Well, the Gen decks are playing it. Mm, perhaps. But my pick... I mean, you have Overgrown Tombs, you have tons of duels, right? So. Yeah. My pick is also Garrick, but it's the other one. It's Garrick Relentless. Uh, the two two bodies do block well, well, well enough to keep you alive. You can take out any troublesome creatures that you need to. And if you do manage to flip him, getting those death touch walls is a really good answer to Garrett, to uh, Boris Reckoner. And also that overrun ability, like, that can hit you against the uh, the bad decks, the ones that are trying to mill you out. That's ridiculous. If, if you can hit it, it's really, really powerful. Agreed. I, I did consider Sorin here because Sorin is another strong answer to the aggro decks, especially if he can get him down turn three. Because uh, you just clog up the board with his lifelink tokens and lingering souls until he hits six. And if they can't take him down off six, you're getting that board. Agreed. I, uh, I can certainly see that. But I think Garrick Relentless... We'll see some play in the sideboard of some of the less hyper-aggro decks, like some of the ones that are still fast but want a bit of a longer game. So I'm picking him over Siren. I, 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 I'm pretty sure at the end of the day, one of the, the Planeswalker that's going to end up seeing the most play is really one of the ones that can just clog up the board by making tokens. Yeah, probably. Either that or Dom Rirati, who nobody picked. No, I, right, I, 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 his fatability is really good with Boros Rector. Yeah. <laughs> All right, large creature. Uh, let's start with Travis. No, we started with Travis before. Let's start with you, Will. Uh, I still don't know. I mean, I don't want to take the obvious pick, but I think I have to take the obvious pick here. Okay. 
So I'm going to take Thragtusk. Really? That's interesting. Never would have thought it. Why, I would have thought that's what I took. Well, like, I'll I mean, put, you have, like, I have, right, because for the pro, this draft, you could basically, you have every single uh, card that's available. And, I mean, Thragtisk is all the way at the bottom, right? So it's going alphabetically, and you go down the list, and, I mean, there's some nice cards here or there, but you're just like, I don't see these guys really being played. I mean, there's some that may be here or there, but, like, Thragtusk is obviously the one that, you know, Saito's Naya deck posted it, has it, uh, the Jun decks are playing it, the Bank Control decks are playing it. It's just one of those guys that is kind of everywhere, and at the same time, like, the, the red decks are pretty fast, so being able to, like, the Thragtusk gives you that chance of, after, like, say, stabilizing, or it allows you to stabilize. Adina, you're pretty much on the same track? Yeah, pretty much for all the same reasons. You don't think that uh, Skullcrack is a concern? No. I I don't think that what? Skullcrack is a concern. Like, it might be played out of the board a bit, but I don't see it... Like, I, I don't really think it's... Yeah, I don't, I, don't see, I don't see Skullcrack being a main deck thing. I mean, certainly I don't have it in my main deck, and I'm playing black-red. So, yeah, I just, I, I feel like there's enough decks where you'd rather be able to hit the creature. Um, so, you know, yeah, Skullcrack's going to come in out of the board, but you still have a 5-3, and when it dies, you have a 3-3, regardless of whether or not Skullcrack is there. So, I, I mean, as, as a utility, as a creature, it's just so useful. I think the other problem with Skullcrack is the fact that it kind of slows down your strategy, right? Because, like, you want to kind of hold it up. You want to hold mana up to be able to skull crack them, right? So if that in any way, like, impedes your board development, then it's certainly not going to... It's not going to be played for that reason. Yeah, and if it doesn't impede your, your, your board, you know, development, then you wind up getting oh, well, I have the skull crack in my hand and it doesn't matter because I'm tapped out and they played Sphinx's Revelation and I couldn't do anything about it. Or, you know, they play skull crack to stop you from gaining a life, but then the next turn they just blink it with Restoration Angel. <laughs> that helps, too. Yeah. Alright, Travis, what did you pick? I went completely against uh, my castmates and picked Thragtusk. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you should have spoken up so we could have had you talk as well. So are you on their boat, or are you got other reasons? Come on, there's only, really two, there's only really two picks for this slot, right? And they both start by TH. <laughs> I mean, Thragtusk is really, I mean, it's the best creature in the format. It fights so many different ways. I mean, other than the life gain, he's still a 5-3 that leaves a 3-3, lets you block multiple creatures. I mean, and then you have Restoration Angel for tricks. It's... If you're looking at a creature that costs more than four mana, it's your best bet. That's interesting. Because I actually had a hard time picking here. Uh, I decided to go with the other obvious pick, and I've gone with Thundermore Hellkite. But I would have respected a couple of other picks as well. I mean, Falconrath Aristocrat. That's four mana. It's medium creatures, not That's large. Medium, oh, yeah. okay. 
I mean, Angel Serenity, though, that's a possibility. That might see some play, might get some reanimation going. If someone does successfully break tokens, Armada Worm, I thought about it. Yeah, uh, Aurelia came to mind as well. Chris, I don't know right. either. Like, there's, there's a lot of problems when it comes to that, is that, like, there's some of them on the reanimation strategy, it's fine. But as yeah. you said, like, turn five is a luxury, right? So you really want your creature that comes on turn five, it either wins you the game, which is the Thunder Maw Hellcat approach, or it saves you the game, which is, like, where Thragtusk falls into that. Yeah. But, I mean, the I other mean, thing I, that you have to consider is the fact that, you know, that's that's really going to be probably one deck, as opposed to, you know, Thragtusk sees... It, it's played in multiple different decks. So you're going to have all these different decks, and you're looking for the card that's going to be in the most decks that are, you know... Is it top 8, top 64? How does this count, even? Uh, I'm not sure. But yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you're, lo- you're looking for the card that's going to be in the most decks, and Thragtusk is going to fit into more decks than any of those options. It's going to be in Bant, Jun, Tokens, Green Aggro. I mean, it's it's just awesome. It is, but I think uh, there's going to be just so many people playing red that Thundermore will just beat it out. So let's go to the medium creature. I'll go first on this one, and I'm pretty sure we're all on the same one here, or if not, we should be. I've gone with Boris Reckoner. I mean, whether or not we think it's underrated or overrated, whether or not it's worth $30, really doesn't matter. The fact is that everybody is looking for them, everybody is testing with them, and unless we're completely misreading what people are saying, it's going to be in everywhere. Like It's going to be all over the place. Unless people have broken it, in which case it's, everybody's going to be playing the answer to it. But I, I'm going with the Reckoner. Adina? Yes, I also went with Reckoner. I mean, the fact that he can just... Travis, what did you go with? I went with... Because I did not go with Reckoner. And I did not I either. I did not go with Reckoner for one very, very simple reason. Oh, God, please say you chose it. I went with Hellrider. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, it, obviously Hellrider has the disadvantage of every deck that Hellrider's in, Boris Reckner's going to be in, and then there's going to be decks that don't have Hellrider that have Boris Reckner. So I, I can certainly see that being, you know, the correct pick, but... You had to. I just can't look, pass up on Hellrider. Make the monetary argument, though. People already have their Hellriders. They're scrambling to find Reckoners. So they'll all have their play set of Hellriders and not have a full set of Reckoners. That is actually a very good point. I didn't think of that. And there's only three play sets at face-to-face. <laughs> so, Travis, what did you go with? I went with the anti-Boros Reckoner, the card that's going to shut it down. <laughs> I knew it. Rock's Faith you, Mender. Yes! <laughs> I really, uh, I think, I first clicked on Restoration Angel, but then I thought, you know, even if it's just in the board, there are going to be a lot of Faith Menders up, and up there. And the thing is, Faith Mender just blocks Reckoner all day and doesn't afraid of anything. Yeah, because it deals one damage and then gains an extra two life, so it's like, oh, well. Nice, uh, yeah. nice three-power dude there, guy. Yeah, really. GG. That's an interesting pick. I mean, I originally chose Hellrider, but then I thought, nah, Reckoner's just... It's just all over the place. 
And it certainly makes you say, go on, play Bonfire, I dare you. Also, I have seen people playing Near Heath Pilgrim in the deck, just so that they can mise the combo. The infinite life combo? Yeah, which would be hilarious. Yeah, I guess the people that are really afraid of that are going to have Skullcrack in their board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But I mean, the one time that it works is going to be worth it, right? Because I mean, it's not like Near Heath Pilgrim is a bad card in the sideboard for the mirror. Oh, no, it isn't. It's And you're going to be playing Boros Charm anyway. So, yeah, seems fine. All right, small creature. Adina, lead us off. I had to go with uh, the hero of my deck, Gravecrawler. Or as people call him around here, uh, Anklebiter. Okay. So you think Zombies is going to make a comeback? Um, I, th- I think there'll be people playing it. And, uh, you know, small creatures, there's just going to be tons of different small creatures all over the place. I thought about Snapcaster and everything, but, I mean, yeah, I just, I, I can't keep Gravecrawler out of my deck, so I, I think there'll be some Gravecrawlers around. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Zombies is the, in the unfortunate position of being a turn slower than the mono-red decks, but the mono-red decks don't have the staying power that the green-red decks seem to have. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that sort of puzzle plays out. Yeah, I mean, the, the zombie deck is, is also, it's, it's an aggro deck, but it's also got the mid-range capabilities. So it can, sure. it can be the mid-range, it can beat the med, mid-range. So that, that's kind of, yeah, it can definitely grind it out, which, you know, the red deck is, you know, if you don't, if you don't get them quick, you might be in trouble. So, Will, what did you go with? I'm still not sure. I mean, I think the pick is Stromkirk Noble. Did, okay. Do you agree with me that this is probably the toughest pick of all of them? It I've is. changed it four times. It, yeah. it is. It certainly is. But there, there are, are so many time, good like, one and two ca- casting cost creatures right now. Well, like, you have... I mean, it's not going to show up as much as Noble, but, like, Deathrite Shaman is right there, and it has the added benefit that it blocks Noble all day, and eats a premium piece of removal. Yeah. At the same time, you have stuff like Burning Tree Emissary. Uh, you, can make the exper- you can make the argument for Experiment 1, or even or Flint Hoof Boar. Champion of the Parish. Cham- yeah, Champion of the Parish as well. Yeah, like, the other ones are very, like... There was kind of like two or three answers that just immediately you fell into, but and even then, I'm like I'm still not sure on the Stromkirk Noble. I, I'll I'll go with it for now, though it's quite possible I change my pick halfway through. Well, the good thing about Stromkirk Noble is that it is pro- it has the trump over a lot of the other early creatures, things like Avacyn's Pilgrim, Champion of the Parish. It just walks right past them. Oh, sorry, it swaggers right past them. It saunters. Because he has the swag. But, I don't know. Are are all the red decks playing him? Yes. Because we had a Boros Humans deck that we were on that didn't play him that was goldfishing at turn four. Like, consistently turn four. With champion? Yes. See, the... Like, the biggest problem I have with Champion Raid is that he eats a turn one pillar. He does, but so does Noble. No, I I, I get that. But it's just... Mm, I don't know, like, I, don't they're, know. I mean, they're both... Le- they're certainly both 
you know, there. But at the same time, I really just want to pick Burning Tree Emissary. Screw you, Sino! <laughs> yeah, Burning Tree right. Emissary is uh, proving to be pretty uh, strong. Well, I went with Ash Salad. Uh, and I think all of these, like, the thing is all of these red and white creatures are going to see play in probably the same deck. The thing I like about Ashdellet is that occasionally that second ability, that triggered ability is going to come into play. Like, Lingering Souls is a great way to fight these decks because you get the extra blockers, but you're taking three to the face when you flash it back. Now, if you try and draw into a answer with Think Twice, or if you try and flash back an Azurius Charm to take care of a Hellrider... You're taking damage. Completely agree. So, um, I don't think any of these is a bad pick. I mean, Ash Salad, Stormkirk Noble, probably be in the same deck anyway. Actually, never mind. I changed my pick to Burning Tree Emissary. Oh, for Christ's sake. Okay, well, it's just because I saw uh, this past weekend was the Face-to-Face Games Invitational that I did coverage at, and I saw turn to someone go, Emissary, 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 uh, Flinterhoof Boar, go. Yeah, it, it does allow for stupid like, things like come that. Come on, that's nine power on turn two. That's ridiculous. Well, the, the Naya deck we were testing went to Emissary, Emissary, Maya. Well, see, that's where like that's where it, it tipped in the favor, is that it's not only the red decks that are playing it, it's the human decks that want this card as well. Yeah. So that's what tipped in my favor. Okay. It, th- that card is insane. Yeah, so I went with Ash Charlotte and Travis, finish us up. Avison's Pilgrim. Okay. The ramp creature of choice. Well, I I still like Arbor Elf better, but okay. It's true. I'm I'm a fan of the Arbor Elf over it. Also, he's enabling quite a few turn two centaur healers. Well, he's going to have to. (laughs) See, it's funny. All the decks that I've seen, I I haven't seen centaur healer. I don't know. I, I think if there's a junk deck, he'll he'll see a lot of play. Or if, if Reanimator makes a comeback, or even the Human Reanimator deck, this guy could definitely see some play. Which makes yeah. me think none of us mentioned Huntmaster in our medium creatures list. No, we didn't, and uh, we might well regret that. Yes, we may. Uh, I will never regret my pick. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I think me and Adina are pretty safe on that one. I will ride my pick straight into hell. <laughs> but wouldn't that make you a hell rider? <laughs> hell riders in the sky. I can see you painting it right now. So, next category is instant. And I'm going to be very interested to see what people have here. I, I, mean, I didn't even have to think twice about this. And it's not Think Twice. I think we all have the same. <laughs> well, at least mine is red. Yeah, mine is pot red. Travis, start us off. I took the Angry Angel. Oh, of course you did. Aurelia's Fury. Most overrated card in the set. <laughs> we shall see. Saito's uh, S- <laughs> S- deck doesn't have it, so clearly it's bad. Saito's deck's not running white, though, is it? Uh, as Naya one is, funnily enough. I'd just like to clarify for the record, I'm not saying Aurelius Fury is bad, I'm saying it's overrated. I'll say it. Cause some controversy. Aurelius Fury is a piece of garbage. It is the worst card in Gatecrash. Bar none. You have seen 
Primal Visitation, right? Yeah, I'm first picking Primal Visitation <laughs> over Raylan's Fury. Wait, that's the five. That's the three plus three plus three haste for five enchantment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me give me yours, Will. In in my set review, I like didn't understand how this works out as a card. Like, really, who is casting a creature and then paying five mana to give it haste? The only thing I could think of is that it's there for when you cruel charm to steal back your own creatures. But even then, okay. Just, no. so, so your scenario is the basis is a they have a simic manipulator in play, b or a soul ransom. So it. <laughs> Or a soul ransom, I suppose. I'm not. I'm not trying to say the card is good. I'm just saying that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> so bad. All right. So why did you pick Aurelia's Fury, Travis? As if we didn't know. Because I think if the uh, Boros Reckoner aggro decks are going to be really good, they're going to have to be able to fight the turn three and turn four Supreme Verdict, and this is a great way to do that. False. Boros Charm is much better. Fact. Also, they just kill him before turn three. Uh, not before turn three, they don't. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we did test this in the Boros deck that we had, and we never wanted to keep that much mana open. Mind you, we were only running 22 lands, so X was never going to be more than three or four. But it, it just, it always underwhelmed. Always. Now, LSV has been testing with it, he says, and he's liking what it's doing so far. So, obviously, I think it goes more in a mid-range deck than an aggro one. Which is what I'm a fan of. I know. I just don't know if this is the mid-range Protoss. But time will tell. Uh, Will, what do you got? I got Searing Spear. Okay, that's perfectly acceptable. I also have... I also have Searing Spear just jumping in there so that we don't have to, you know, backtrack. Because it kills everything. Um, doesn't kill Restoration Angel. No one cares about Restoration Angel. No one's playing that card. It doesn't kill Obzidat. Again, you're mentioning cards. Okay, wait, Obzidat costs five. You're going to be dead by then. So what you're saying is, ain't nobody got Obzidat. Not quite. No, it's it's... It's the premium removal spell in uh, in the format. I'm going to say yeah. that it used to be the premium removal spell in the format. I'm going to go with Searing Spear because Lightning Bolt isn't legal in standard. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Thanks, yeah. Irrefutable logic. <laughs> so, Travis, do you seriously think Aurelius Fury is a better removal spell than Searing Spear? No, not necessarily, but I was just thinking that if Reckoner is going to be that good, Searing Spear is not the best removal anymore. A Broken K may be better. <laughs> Searing Spear is kind of rough against... Yeah, I, I definitely lost yeah, the game playing against somebody with a Boros Reckoner. And three turns in a row, he played Boros Reckoner. Three turns in a row, I Searing Speared and then swung in and attacked, so we were both at 11 life. Um, and then, you know, Burning Tree into uh, the Haste... Soul Bond guy and Lightning Mauler, and then wham, wham, I was like, oh, okay, I'm dead. <laughs> that, yeah. that being said, the problem with your Abrupt Decay's premium removal spell is the fact that our deck's actually playing black outside of Jund. Junk is as well. 
I don't no, know. I, I don't think we may see something like that at the Pro Tour. I think all this focuses on these aggro decks that they're going to know they have to be able to combat that, and they're going to come up with some way to do it. And I have faith in their brewing abilities. Well, don't forget that going into Pro Tour Everson Restored, all the focus was on aggro decks as well. Which is what People, showed up, though. Yes, but what won? Right, but if you're if you're saying that in a top eight there's seven aggro decks and the miracle deck, you know, I mean, we're we're picking what card is going to be most prevalent, right? Yes, of course. I'm not going to pick I'm a card out of the that, deck that won. But you see, the knowledge that we have is the same knowledge Sam Black has that Brian Kibler and Conley Woods have, Patrick Chapin uh, okay. and Steve Marshall have. I'm so, I'm sorry. There is no way that the four of us combined have the same amount of knowledge as even one of those people. Okay. I'm talking I about think what method. he meant was information, not knowledge. Right. Like they have the same information it about definitely what not skill. Play at Star City Games. They have the same information about what Saito has been tweeting. They know that aggro is everywhere. So they are more than likely brewing like crazy to beat aggro. That's my thought. That's well, why I'm here's the thing, loosely can, picking aggro. And I can agree with this, but uh, like the Jun deck that... I have, and I mean, this is obviously just a small sample size, but, like, the Jun deck I ha- that I play wants to play against, like, these mono-red or these aggro decks all day. Just because it has the early game removal and then has the late game cards like Olivia that just take over. Well, you, you, the problem with any mid-range deck has always been you have to draw your cards in the right order. Right, agreed, but, like, the, like, the mono-red decks and the aggro decks play Searing Spears and... Like the Jundex play Searing Spears. Oh, yeah. That's, that's for sure. Searing Spears is not a bad choice at all. I went with Boros Charm because it's quite possibly the best two-mana instant we've seen since, what, Lightning Helix? In fact, it's probably better than Lightning Helix. I have a soft spot for Doomblade. I mean, the card is ridiculous. It, every single mode is relevant. And it just makes the aggro decks so dangerous because you never know when they're holding one. But it's not going to be an Agrixis deck. It's certainly not going to be an Agrixis yeah, deck. You you know, and and that, that's the thing about Searing Spear because so. it's only one red, you know, that it's, it's only one color, whereas Boros Reckoner will be in those red-white decks, but it's not going to be in a lot of other decks because it's simply not versatile enough as a two-colored spell to go into a lot of other decks. Well, I, think, oh, I, I think the other thing is the fact that I'm pretty sure red is going to be the most co- played color at this point. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. agree. I don't, I don't disagree with you there. So from, I, I think so from that, I have to go with like the best red card, if you will. I think the next category is going to be fairly interesting. Uh, I'd be really interested to see what people have here with the sorcery. Let's start with Adina. I have Pillar of Flame. Yeah, that's probably a good pick. Why do you have Pillar of Flame? 90% of the same reasons I have Searing Spear. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's I'm obviously... I know it's gonna 10% be more... reason that you it's different. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, if you're facing against the green, it's 10% reason. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> well, the reason it's, you know, it's it's not Searing Spear, it's, it's, you know, slower, it's not instant speed, so... You know, you have to play it on your turn, which is okay. annoying. But I mean, that's all sorceries anyway. So, um, I yeah, I I, I don't have an answer to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, because lightning bolt isn't legal. Okay, 
So, <laughs> so it is still 100% of the same reason. But I mean, it's going to get rid of in the, in the red green, you know, it's going to get rid of your strangle root guys in black. If anyone's playing zombies, which I think we might see some zombies, it's going to get rid of zombies and it's just going to, Get rid of all your two, you know, anything with two power. It gets rid of Ash Zealot. It gets rid of, you know, lots of stuff. So, and it only costs one. For sure. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. You know, and okay. if you're playing some sort of weird, you know, red, white, black extort deck, you can extort off of it easily because it's so cheap. <laughs> it's just, a, it's just a card that everybody sideboards, and it's just going to be everywhere. I think. Don't be making fun. We had something similar to that. Um, and it hits players. That, you know, it you does know. So I've changed this three times now. I initially started with Bonfire of the Damned. And then Boris Reckoner started seeing play. So you went to Parasely- Celine. Parasely? Yeah. No, I didn't. I got terrified that Bonfire would see zero play. So then I went to Farseek. And I'm still kind of thinking that Farseek isn't a terrible plan. But I think Mutilate is actually just a better one. So you picked Mutilate? I did. Over Supreme uh, Verdict? Yes. You're silly, Chris. <laughs> Apparently, Mono Black Control is seeing a lot of play on Moda. And have you seen it? I have not. But you again, that's one deck. You know, you're, you're looking for something that's going to be in a lot of decks. So unless everyone's playing Mono Black... But no, Supreme Verdict is not going to see play outside of Bant and Asper. People, like, the classic mistake people make with Mutilate is thinking that you can only play it in Mono Black. You can play a five-color black deck right now without diluting your mana base too far below 16 swamps. Yeah, the problem, though, is I don't want to be taking too much damage off my shocks. I mean, you you need to have at least three or four, you know, swamps in play for Mutilate to really hit everything that you're going to want it to hit. I mean, you're That's good, very true. Well, I you think know, you're going to want to be able three, to. You're going to want to be able to take down a Restoration Angel. You're going to want to be able to take down Thragtus. You're going to want to be able to take down a Hellkite. You know, you got to have five swamps for that. Well, you do have other removal in the deck as well. Also, yeah. I, I think I think Mutilate kind of loses out because I think Barter and Blood is a better removal spell. See, I like that uh, idea. Uh, I've made my choice. I, I'm going with I'm going to mutilate. I mean, I I'm a big fan of the card. I've been pushing it to my friends locally uh, for the GP after the Pro Tour. I think Black has some really powerful tools right now, and that it has answers to what's powerful in the meta game. You know, it has the best answers to Boris Reckoner. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Not at all. Uh, it has discard for the control decks. It has some very powerful creatures. With Cryptgast and Liliana of the Dark Realms, it has mana acceleration. Uh, it, it, it Also, fixing. It has reach with extort creatures. Cryptgast also has extort, by the way. And it enables you to splash another color fairly easily with Liliana. Because you are guaranteed to get one land off her when she resolves. They can't stop you doing that. So you fetch your Overgrown Tomb, you can instantly cast a Thrag Tusk. You fetch your Blood Crypt, you can instantly cast uh, an Olivia. Obviously, it's next turn. But you still set yourself up to be able to do that. So uh, the, the, uh, the flexibility that you have there, plus the fact that Mutilate just kills things that are indestructible, so it gets around a Boros Charm, 
it gets around like if Predator Ooze is a thing or anything like that, it gets around Frontline Medic, not that you can cast it as, a, as an instance, so that's kind of irrelevant. Uh, it also takes care of Boris Reckoner without doming you. I think it's got potential. Duly noted. Travis, your pick? I picked Bonfire of the Dam because I want to see one scenario happen. I want to see someone with two to three Boros Reckoners on the board top deck Bonfire of the Damned and target themselves. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I want to see it happen. That's, I, that's good. I want to see Kibler top deck a Bonfire to beat the guy from Chinese Taipei who beat him in the World Magic Cup. That would be great, too. But I don't know how likely that is. I, I got scared off Bonfire because of the Reckoners, but you know, I think it's it's got a good chance of seeing a lot of play. All right, well, back clean up. Uh, if I were to be going with my heart of hearts, which I'm not for this pick, because I already did that with Hellrider, but if I was, it would be unexpected results. <laughs> That's an unexpected result. Since, <laughs> since, however, I'm going with my head and sub my heart, it's Pillar of Flame. One interesting thing we tried, uh, and it worked pretty well, what do you think of mugging in the sideboard for some of these aggro decks? Uh, I'm trying to remember mugging. Does two damage? Can't block. And that and yeah, can't creature block, can't block, right? Yeah. It's it, it's all right. I mean, I certainly think it loses out to uh, to pillar. Well, but you can do it to like a rock's faith mender, right? If the, the time they go rock's faith mender, you go okay, untap mugging that play a lightning mauler attack past your faith mender. Oh, for sure. But like you also have. Since we'll be moving to enchantments, you have a better sideboard card than enchantment in that scenario. Yeah, I guess. So let's do enchantments. And well, you uh, you're eager to talk about it. What's your pick? Uh, actually, it's not that one. I'm going. Okay. I'm going with Rancor. Yeah. <laughs> Fine choice. Read my no, mind. It was. It was it, it's obviously. I don't really see. I'm pretty sure it's going to be an aura that's gonna. It's going to take that spot. So you had. Madcap skills, that's going to be a sideboard card. You have Volcanic Strength, that's going to be a sideboard card. I don't really think we're going to see Ethereal Armor show up. But of them all, the one that sees main deck play and is just a house in and of itself is Rancor. So, Adina, you're on Rancor as well? I'm on Rancor as well. Travis, you're on Rancor as well? I am not. Interesting, neither am I. Travis is obviously on Omniscience, which again, picking with my heart, it'd be Omniscience. <laughs> I am on blind obedience. As am I. <laughs> I mean, like, I, like most of my picks have been the theme of stopping the aggro decks, so blind obedience is one of the best ways to do that. Yeah. It's that was actually down. my second choice. It was very close, but I put blind obedience somewhere else in my lineup. Blind obedience is really, really good against these aggro decks. It's, it's even, I think you can even make an argument for it in the mirror because it stops them from blocking. But oh, yeah. for control decks to drop this on turn two, they can extort their way back up to a sensible life total, all of the while just pecking away at yours. And Hellrider becomes a lot worse, Thunderbolt Hellkite becomes a lot worse, Ash Zealot becomes a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, it I definitely really... see it in the red-white decks, absolutely. If you're playing aggro... You're going to drop this. That way you can aggro right on past them because your creatures are hasty and theirs come into play tapped. So there's two turns you got on them. See, the one, like, 
the one, say, pause I have with that is the fact that I think there's going to be more aggro decks than there's going to be control decks or decks that stop aggro decks. And the simple reason is that, like, you certainly have a bunch of the pros, right, and these teams that are testing, and it's quite possible that they're going to show up with some of those decks. But if you take the field as a whole, I'm pretty sure the field as a whole is going to have, uh, is going to be more aggro decks than, uh, than decks that stop the aggro decks. Yeah. So what's your thinking on by the videos, Travis? That it stops the haste creatures and that extort is just enough incremental life gain to to keep out the aggro decks. I mean, plus blind obedience with faith menders two life a turn. Yeah, that's true. You mean two life any- spell? Yeah, or a spell? Uh, <laughs> did anybody consider uh, bonds of faith? No, no, but I also considered madcap skills. Because Bonds of Faith, people are talking about it now. You can drop it on your Ash Zealot or on your Champion of the Parish or your Burning Tree Emissary or whatever. But you can also put it on their Reckoner because he ain't human. But I don't. So I don't. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if that's the best answer. I mean, Pacifism is still a card. Oblivion Ring is still a card. Well, that's an extra mana. I guess so. The Bonds of Faith has the added bonus that if they don't have Reckoner, it just makes your guys huge. So, I don't know. This is the one that's going to cause everybody some trouble, though. Let's go to Artifact. Actually, on a quick side note, this yeah. is, you'll have to edit it out, but I was just going through the uh, the PTQ list for the wild card, and I'm just awesome. racing a couple of the names. I seem to have forgotten Guillaume Wafotapa. I just went back, <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think Wafotapa should be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Otherwise, Adina's going to pick him, and then we're going to have to get into an argument with Adina. <laughs> no, I'm not going to pick Wafota. Okay. Is, is he even eligible to yet? I, I thought he had yeah, like he, no, he a won year a and a half. No, he won a PTQ. Oh, he just came back. Okay, yeah. so he won a PTQ because he just got back on the... Yeah, no, Hopefully I someone know. will frame him and get his butt back in. I, I don't like his decks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'll be playing out Zealots and Boris Reckoning. <laughs> so, Artifact. Um, this used to be the easiest one to pick. or Well, it used to be hard for a different reason because there were so many good choices. <laughs> now, not so much. Um, let's start with you, Travis. What do you like? Really? That's the card you like, <laughs> Travis? Unbelievable. Yeah, let's just leave I, I that plot blank. That's how bad the artifacts are right now. Travis went with Altar of the Lost. Wow. I mean, the 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 sheer testicular fortitude of the man picking Altar of the Lost. <laughs> it is quite impressive. I got it. it. It really is. So since Travis has clearly fallen off the call for a minute. Oh, I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> You're just telling Rip. everyone how you pick your artifact pick was Altar of the Lost. What is Altar of the Lost again? My brain is shut down, apparently. <laughs> the three-mana artifact that enters the battlefield tapped. Add two mana to, for only for flashback spells. Two mana in any combination of colors. Yeah. But no, that is not what I picked. <laughs> <laughs> I was originally going to pick Glaring Spotlight simply because I couldn't think of an artifact worth a shoot. Um, but I decided to go on Trading Post. 
Because <laughs> goats, goats can block a Boros Shrekner all day long. It's true, <laughs> they can. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is something I, I saw. I think it was Shaheen Tarani talking about it. Might have been Shahar Shanha. I can't remember one of them. And I was trying to figure out what the heck they were doing with it. Training post. Yeah. Gaining life and walking with goats. Is that it? Yep. So they're not bringing back any artifacts or drawing any cards. Nope. It's strictly for gaining life and making goats. That seems bad. Oh, the deck. Well, I mean, it's just you, it's lots and lots of aggro. It's not. Well, you I'm, say that, but it's it's quite popular in Esper, right? Because Esper has the board wipes. Exactly. If you can wipe the turn three or four and then drop it, so you're gaining four life a turn, and when they build up enough of a presence to to challenge that four life a turn, you just wipe the board again. But in Esper, don't you need the cards in your hand? Like, isn't that your biggest asset? Uh, to a certain extent, like it's a, it's a sideboard card, right? So you're bringing it into essentially because like there's cards that, you know, like stuff like Planeswalkers or other, you know, say something like a Sphinx's Revelation, right? That obviously you want to cast for max value, but at the same time, right? If you're on four mana, and you're just like, well, the Sphinx's Revelation gains me two, but at the same time, if I discard it, it gains me four. That or they can just chuck away lands. Or you can just pay one life to force field a creature. Yeah, I guess. Like, that's the other thing, right? Like, since the goats don't deal any damage, uh, obviously they're good for Reckoner, but if, you know, you have the choice of being hit by, you know, an Ashzillot or um, a Reckoner for two or three, or for just paying one life and putting a goat in front of it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still not convinced, but... Doesn't seem terrible. Alright, well, what's your pick? These were slammed to start with. Man, they if somebody could come were. up with an artifact deck, there would be no hate whatsoever. I mean, there's no artifact <laughs> removal. Nobody's running it. Nobody's playing it. No one plays well with Trading Post. I guess it does, yeah. So, uh, Will, what's your pick? Uh, I think. I think logic dictates that I have to go with the Runechanger's Spike. That seems perfectly acceptable. It's like the only artifact that's like worth playing, I guess. Like, I mean, if you're playing some weird omniscience deck, you can certainly play a Chroma's Memorial. Or a Primal Surge deck, maybe. Yeah, there's that, but I don't think that's going to show up. Uh, the only other thing that I could see is Elixir of Immortality. Uh-huh. But I just get the feeling that, you know, having an auger and putting a pike on it, or having a resto angel and putting a pike on it, or even having a faith mender, just to make Travis happy, and putting a yeah. pike on a faith mender, uh, you know, can be a whole lot of fun. Actually, Seems I, pretty think, powerful. I think pike on a faith mender would be a ton of fun. <laughs> I think anybody who did that should be uh, lauded from the high hills. Agreed. That worked with me. Adina, what do you got? Well, I just, I really don't see anybody bringing artifacts whatsoever except maybe Ali Atrazi, so I went with Chromatic Lantern. <laughs> I love that pick, actually. Yeah, good old Ali, friend of the show. 
Chromatic Lantern is one of my favorite cards. Uh, why? Do you, so you think it's just going to see play in his deck and nowhere else? I just, I just don't think anyone's going to really be bringing artifacts, and so the only artifact that might show up is you know that that one person that decides to bring a four or five color deck and and has lanterns in it. Like I, I just, I don't see any other reason that, to even see artifacts anywhere. Yeah, Not these artifacts. Yeah, I just I had a really hard time. Yeah, I mean, I considered which Bane Orb because it does shut down, burn, bonfire, lots of targeted spells and stuff. I also considered Staff of Nin because I I love that card and I was playing it in mono black. Uh, but in the end, I went with Gruel Key Rune. Okay. Because uh, I I just don't know what else to pick. Uh, Rakdos Key Rune was a, was a possibility, but I don't know. I think I just went with Grow Key Rune because I was tossing a coin, maybe? I don't really think there's a good choice here. Unless that choice is goats. <laughs> Listen, you're a big fan of goats, aren't you? I mean, they're not squirrels, but they're there. I'm glad to see that you passed biology. Goats are, in fact, not squirrels. Well, that's not biology. So, you have an English degree. You can see that goats and squirrels are different words. <laughs> All right. Shut up. What is next? Let me see here. Land. Land. Yes, I will start with this one. And, I mean, I think this is pretty much a slam dunk. Sacred Foundry is the obvious pick here. And I went with Sacred Foundry. I mean... I did as well. Red, red, red white decks are everywhere. And... Boros Reckoner needs one or the other to cast it, so why not make a land that makes both? Yeah, I agreed with yeah. you and picked a Sacred Foundry also. The only one that's going to come close to it is Clifftop Retreat. So. <laughs> well, what did you pick? I think he's on a phone call. Really, Will? Not this one. Reliquary Tower, Will? <laughs> he picked. He picked basic forest. <laughs> Actually, that might not be a bad pick. Actually, the name of the category is technically non-basic land. So he picked good. evolving wilds. Yeah. So what did you pick, Adina? You know, I, I flip flopped back and forth because I was thinking maybe it would be a dual land, but you know, you want something that's going to be in the most decks that's more versatile. It's going to show up in more places, so I went with Cavern of Souls. Huh. Yeah, I, I can see your, your logic there. Uh, and if people are afraid that there's a control deck to beat the aggro decks, then Cavern of Souls is certainly a wise choice to be playing. I mean, there's always going to be somebody playing counter spells. It's the Pro Tour. Yep, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's just a question of how many and whether or not Cavern is going to be two of or four of. Because anyone playing Sacred Foundry is going to be playing four of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Cavern, if they're not expecting a lot of counter spells, they, they will probably run two main and two in the board at most. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I know I've, I've got four in my zombie deck, and I know a lot of times I'm looking for that Cavern because, you know, blue is a thing, you know. And and there's always there's always going to be control decks no matter where you go. So sure. Oh, apparently we'll pick stomping ground. 
Interesting. So he's gone with Stomping Ground over Sacred Foundry. Hmm. That's just, well, he I'm did not sure. Rag Tusk up earlier. Maybe I think he's on Jund. Yeah, Jund, and also you're you're hedging your bets there because Naya will run Stomping Ground as well. So, and if there's a rug list, like rug has a lot of powerful spells in it. Nobody's really talking about it. I mean, you get Huntmaster, you get Snapcaster Mage, you get like possibly even Niv Mizzet if you want it. You get Clan Defiance. Is anyone really playing uh, Red, White, Blue in Standard? Because Snapcaster and Boros Charm seems really good. Uh, not that I've heard. But yeah, the um, Stomping Ground might actually be a really smart pick because we we know Red White's going to see play, but Naya and Janda too, and they both play Stomping Ground. It may it may be in a more wider range of decks. For sure. Yeah, that was, right. that was definitely the one that I was looking at was actually Stomping Ground, and then I just thought, you know, I'm going to go with Tavern. So, our last card category, then, is card from the new set. And this is new for this season, right? I don't think they did this last time? No, I don't think they did not. either. Okay. So, Adina, what did you pick? For this one, I did go with uh, Blind Obedience. You went with Blind Obedience. Okay. Anything new to say about that? Uh, not really. I think we covered it all. Sure. Travis? I went with Boros Charm. Because okay. I've been testing it in modern, and it is very powerful. What a shame this Pro Tour is standard. I know, but if it's powerful enough for modern, most likely it's powerful enough for standard. Well, there are a few exceptions. But I said yeah, most I likely. Death yeah, Rite is one. Yeah. I went with Boris Reckoner. Um, I don't see any reason to go into this again. He's seeing a ton of play everywhere. And I don't think... There's any reason to think there'll be many more cards that are seeing more play than he does. So, and Will is also going with Stomping Ground for this pick, he says. Which isn't a bad idea, picking a land. No, no it's not, and uh, I wish I'd thought of it, but um, I didn't. Darn so. you, William. So the last category is the pro player that you pick for a tiebreaker. And uh, what we're going to do is use this as the first pick for our pro player draft. We will put the rest of the picks in the show notes so that you can see how badly we did. And uh, then we'll move into the moment of geekery and various other things that we want to talk about just quickly. So Travis was randomly selected to have the first pick. What do you mean Travis was randomly selected to have the first pick? He was randomly selected to have the first pick. It wasn't was exactly this? random. Well, after my dominant performance of our last Pro Tour Fantasy yeah, draft, he should go last. Serve. <laughs> no, in terms of order, he should go last, which means that Dina oh, goes first. All right. I will I will handicap myself. That's Isn't that how it usually works? You know, the person who does the worst goes first, yeah. and the person who does so the best Dina, goes So, it's actually Dina that gets first pick. Yeah, because I did so horribly awful last time. Okay, okay, so so, uh, so my first pick then is uh, Yu Yu Watanabe. <laughs> <laughs> I think Will hung up. <laughs> oh, I'm still here. I, I, that's so funny. I don't understand. Because while we were adding you back to the call, he was talking about how that was going to be his first pick. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> well, that's I have already. That's who I already picked on my uh, on my uh, fantasy pro tour thing here that we were talking about. And you said whoever you pick, that's going to be your your first pick. So, well, I am going with fellow team lands in front member and all around nice guy, Paulo Vitor Damo da Rosa, the Brazilian bad boy. <laughs> Well, hold up. I, I, I need to pick something. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I like... <laughs> I kind of really want to pick Waffle Topo just because he's going to be like, I will show you for betting me from Magic for 18 months. With that poor, horrible French accent. That was not a French accent. This is a French accent. Mm, no, it's not. And this <laughs> is a hillbilly accent. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast about Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I okay. this in Montreal with a bunch of French people around. Uh, who do I want? Let's go and see the Channel Fireball draft. Who did they pick? Really? <laughs> Kibler took Finkel first. Hmm. That seems like a sensible choice. <sighs> I did it last time, though, and it bit me in the ass. Fine. <laughs> John Finkel, don't screw me this again. Really, it looked like you'd picked someone else there, Will. No, Alexander Hayne is not getting picked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so, Travis, defending champion. I am going to pick uh, Brian Kibler. He has a tendency to do very well in uh, creature-dominant formats. So, I, That's not how you spell Kibler. I know, I mistyped. Kibler. <laughs> that feels like the guy I'm totally lost. All right. Yes, I'm picking Kibler. No. Okay. We're not going to bore you with the rest of our draft. No. But we will put it in the show notes. But we will make our last pick on the air. Oh, right. Because okay. our last pick is Travis. Wild card! <laughs> That's right. The Horde of Notions <laughs> draft in the last round has a wild card pick which, for those of you playing at home who don't remember, is someone who won a PTQ but is, say, not necessarily a known name. For example, Guillaume Wafotapo won a PTQ, but he doesn't count as a wild card because people know of him. Right. So I'm pretty sure we're all kind of picking, say, people that were won PTQs near us. At least I know Chris is. Who am I picking then? Well, who, let's start with Adina. Who are you picking, Adina? I am picking Travis Mashiro, who won the PTQ that I judged in Casper. Is his is he from Colorado? Uh, no, his brother is from Colorado, and his brother was judging. He was he's actually from Connecticut. He was visiting his brother, came up, figuring what the heck, uh, my brother's going to be at a PTQ all day. I guess I'll play. So uh, listeners, listeners to Commandercast will be familiar with his brother who is Justin from CommanderCast. This seems very sketchy. His brother was judging a PTQ, and Dino was judging the PTQ he won. It seems like there's some form of uh, behind-the-scenes backroom dealings going on. Well, no, I mean, I didn't know him until the PTQ, so, you know, I, I had just like met him. Story. Right. And I his brother, like, together. when he was in the top eight, his brother did not watch any of his matches. His brother was watching the other matches um, and, you know, deferring to the rest of the judges so that we were watching 
his brother so that he wasn't actually judging his brother. So there wouldn't be any, you know, collusion or, you know, any kind of I believe you, I, I believe you idea. Wink. You never been before. Wink, wink. <laughs> so, Will, you seem to know who I'm picking. Who am I picking? Uh, whoever won the Newfoundland TGQ. <laughs> The name, his name is Wu Shuang. As you can tell, he's a native <laughs> Newfoundlander. <laughs> well, yeah, isn't that what all, uh, all Newfoundlanders are called? But he is quite possibly one of the best players I've seen in person uh, in the last few years, anyway. He's okay, say, incre- like you've seen John Finkel in person. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people in person. Actually, that doesn't count. I've sat up feature matches with like Paul Reitzel and Conley Woods. Okay, he's definitely one of the best players locally, anyway. And you heard that people if, on the island of Newfoundland, where there's six people to play Magic, he's the best. If he doesn't do well at the Pro Tour, it won't be because we didn't do our best to prepare him. We have been grinding as much as we can, doing as much testing. I mean, your testing is only as good as the people you're testing with, so what? it's when obviously he, not he up to... In? Hey, he flies in Thursday morning. Mm, yeah, that's more than enough time to hit the strip clubs. See, that, that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the challenge in Montreal, is being able to stay away from all the temptation. Yeah, trust me, I've been to none of the strip clubs while I've been to Montreal. But he's uh, he's a really good player, and I've got a lot of confidence in his ability to succeed. Uh, we're not under any illusions that he can win, but uh, I'd be happy with him making top 25. Well, actually, I'd be happy if he made day two, but top 25 is his goal. Fair enough. Who are you picking, Will? Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Toby Rosman. Uh, who I'm picking is... Where is it? Uh, actually, it's Mr. Toby Rosman. <laughs> and although, see, I'm very, I'm very torn on this pick because, to- oh my God, that guy's cute. Oh, holy, oh dear God, really? What? Ooh. Okay, there is like, w- there's one player in the history of Magic that I cannot stand that somehow wins these random things and he's cute, and he's cute for Montreal. How did that happen? Ugh. Okay. Anyways, back to it. I'm kind of torn. Like, I have to pick Toby just because, you know, he's one of my buddies. But at the other hand, I'm torn because he wouldn't give me his plus one invite for the Pro Tour. <laughs> and the reasoning behind it, it was what annoys me the most. Because, okay, we're, like, we're quite competitive around here. So, basically, the plus one invite is being used, like, people are using it, is essentially for scouting, for draft pods, as well as other competition, slash for running out to get food. And Toby wouldn't give it to me because he his, his argument was, you're such a nice guy, I don't want to take advantage of you by asking you to go get me food. <laughs> so does he actually know you at all? Yeah, of course we know each other. So he called you a nice guy? He did. Jeez, you got him fooled. Can I say, I'm just that good. All right, so I so will be taking Toby Rossman. And Travis. I'm going to further handicap myself since I actually won this the last time we did it and let you guys pick my wild card. So we'll be <laughs> a true wild card. <laughs> You're just too lazy to pick one yourself. Well, 
there's this Robert Marr guy. I'm not sure who that is, but I'm pretty confident that it, um, he would. <laughs> <laughs> is there actually a Robert Marr on the wild card list? I like this guy, Darwin Castle Mess. <laughs> it's, it, it seems like he's set for an avalanche of wins. And there's this... I can't say the name, but yeah, he sounds like he's pretty good. Is he actually going to be at this pro tour? Is that... Yes, he is. He's on the team with... Finkel and with Sam Black and with because you know they didn't already have enough insane deck builders. Star City, Finkel, Sam Black, Chapin, and Zvi on the same team. Well, I think there. Jack Hill is working with them too. Yeah, he is. What? There was a picture today of Sam and Chapin looking at the same screen on our laptops. So they were probably looking at pornography. But I'm confused. He's not allowed to Canada, or has that changed? Well, he might not be at the Pro Tour. Okay, I just found who Travis's wild card is going to be, because oh, of all the names that I could find, this is well. Uh, so your pick is uh, Kung King Wong. Sounds good to me. Kung King Wong. <laughs> Do well at the Pro Tour, please. Whose <laughs> name was picked because it has the most Ks in it. Let's go with that. As long as it has more than three, I'm okay. Wow. All right, so let's uh, let's move on here. This weekend, in addition to the Pro Tour, uh, we are hosting the Canadian Magic Tour Newfoundland, uh, head judged by yours truly. Uh, face-to-face games will be in attendance. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Matt Schmaltz is down here to do his wizardry. I don't think he's here yet, but he's on his way. By the wizardry. Chris means steal all the cards in Newfoundland. I actually don't mean that. Uh, we're expecting a fairly good turnout. I'd say probably around 70, 75 players would be reasonable. Where is it? Uh, at the Legion in St. John's. Okay. And, yeah, it's going to be a good time. I'm hoping that more than one judge shows up because I'm good, but 75 players on my own sounds like I could be a little busy. Well, I'm sure you have an assistant, right? No. And at worst case scenario, last time you showed up for the pre-releases, your girlfriend ran out and got you food. This is true, but she's also not coming, so... Well, she wasn't coming last time, and she still showed up, so... That was awesome. But yeah, it's going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. People have been testing like crazy. They're ordering cards left, right, and center. Like it, it, People are really buying into this, and they're really looking forward to it. And so. if you order from face-to-face games, they will have the cards at the event. Yes, they will, quite, although it's too late now. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, several cards coming, actually. Not that I can play in the event. Oh. Okay, uh, so as we mentioned last week, at simultaneous to the Pro Tour is going to be the Magic Extravaganza Weekend, hosted by Face-to-Face Games and other stores that aren't important, mostly Face-to-Face Games. Uh, so what's going to happen is they're going to have Super F&M's. It's going to be run simultaneously to the Pro Tour. So on Friday, you're going to have Super F&M. You're going to have Standard, a Modern, a Draft, and a Commander. And a Sealed as well, I believe, yeah? Yes. I think think they have the number to five of them now. So they start in like half-hour increments. So I think it's like 6, 6.37, Then on Saturday, there's going to be a Mana Prive Super Series, which is going to be a Team Trios event, uh, Standard, Modern and Legacy, which will be 
provided coverage by yours truly. Okay. Because, you know, that's what I do. So there's going to be that, as well as side events running. And then finally, on the Saturday, there's going to be a CMT standard event, as well as gunslinging, which is going to be very, very cool. Now, the, there's the provisional lineup, obviously based on them not making top eight, is who? The provisional lineup is you'll have one Conley Woods, one uh, Mr. Tom Martell, one, can you please open, just to make sure I don't want to get it wrong. Um, Jerry Thompson, I believe, isn't it? Uh, yes. Okay, so it's uh, Jerry Thompson, Reed Duke, Conley Woods, and Tom Martell. Which, in terms of if you want a gunsling, that's a, that's a pretty decent lineup right there. Now, the provisional course is if they don't make top eight, but if they, if they make top eight, they won't be there, but if they don't make top eight, you'll have Jerry T., Reed Duke, Conley, and... Mr. Tom Martell, as well as throughout the entire weekend, you will have simultaneous streaming of the coverage of the Pro Tour. Which seems fine. And even better is on Saturday night, there will be a karaoke party. <laughs> it's the Man of Pride um, Pro Tour party. If you were at the one in Toronto, you'll know how insane they are. And this one's going to be even bigger. Yes, as you're going to have the pros, and generally after every pro tour, there is, or at least after every Saturday on the pro tour, there is drinking and karaoke that's just kind of random. Well, this one is actually organized and going to be all out. Yeah, and all but eight people and their teams will be there. So, <laughs> uh, Another, uh, since Face Face Games is quite uh, content on pretty much making every single events that they can, extremely awesome. Uh, there's going to be a Team Trios event in Montreal on Saturday, May 2nd. The, this time is going to be Unified Standard. Oh. So in the past it's been Legacy Modern and Standard. Well, this time we're going Unified Standard, which means... That would be a great format for a Trios. Yeah, which means per team you're only allowed to have four copies of one card outside of Basic Lands. That's really interesting in a format where you can play pretty much any color you want. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh if you're in Montreal or in the area, come on down. And especially since uh <coughs> the team trios is on the Saturday and on the Sunday there's a PTQ. Nice. So if you happen to, you know, want to get a good weekend of magic in, you know, come down with the car. Uh you can play in the trios on Saturday and then uh play in the PTQ on Sunday. There you go. All right, let's move on to a random moment of geekery then. Onwards. So, have you got one for us, Travis? I sure do. Mine is from the, uh, it's actually from a commercial for the Game of Thrones Season season 2 DVD release. It is George R.R. Martin taking the Night's Watch oath himself. And it's awesome to hear the, the actual author take the oath. Seriously, that guy'll do you, anything to get out of writing that sixth book, eh? <laughs> yeah, have you have you heard that song? There's a YouTube video, um, George R. R. Martin, Write Like the Wind. Yes, it's fantastic. Awesome, yeah. That should also be part of your moment of geekery. We should put that in the show notes too. Adina, Sorry. Your moment yes. of, your moment of geekery? My moment of geekery. Uh well a couple of weeks ago I mentioned a Morgan Rice book. 
uh, Quest of Heroes, which was book one, and uh, book two has been released, and book three has also been released, um, both of which fabulous and I totally recommend. Um, but another book that I am also reading right now is called Warm Bodies, because that's the movie that I went to a couple of days ago, and it was really cool, and it's based on a book, and uh, the book is actually really cool, so... Definitely, I definitely recommend the movie, and I def- definitely recommend the book. And I think, I haven't finished the book yet, but I'm thinking you probably want to watch the movie first and then read the book. Um, otherwise, uh, you might feel like the movie didn't do the book justice, because, I mean, obviously the book, you're way inside of his head um, instead of just, you know, the parts of the plot yeah. that you actually see. So, so yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. I thought it was great. Um, it was if if you like the preview, then you will like the movie. I haven't seen it. I'm, isn't it like a zombie love story or something? Yeah, it is. It is. It's a rom com. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's not like a zomb- a regular zombie flick. Although it is, it's a little bit introspective because it's from the zombie's point of view. And we just really haven't seen that before, like any of these kind of things. Well, first of all, we haven't seen a zombie love story, but we haven't seen a zombie movie from the zombie's point of view either. Yeah, there's that whole public against necrophilia thing that has zombie love stories not at the top of producers' lists. Yeah, yeah, I guess that that's a little bit of a turnoff there. But okay. the movie is really cute. It's really cute. Well, your moment to get green? I was looking for a video, but I can't find it. If I do one, we'll put it up in the show notes. But it's the Game of Thrones song, although it's not uh, it's not PG thirteen, so viewer discretion is advised. I think I know the one you mean. I think I used it before. Did it? I, I think it may have been possible, but if not, then we can uh, certainly uh, bring it back. Uh, if not, there is. See, I'm the worst, because I have, like, a hundred million favorites somehow on my uh, on my Internet Explorer, and somewhere hidden within this is my actual moment of geekery. But since I can't find it, I instead went with the gif of the baby doing it Gangnam Style. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That was great. <laughs> oh, actually, I found another one for Travis. It's called uh, Canadian Police Chases. I know Chris is... Does it involve a moose and a mountie? It does not involve a moose and a mountie. Jeez, just watch the video. It's during winter, so, you know. Okay. Chris, I know you've seen it because it's a car commercial that airs, like, 800 times a day. Yeah, I've seen it. That's funny. So, my moment of geekery, uh, I've got rid of cable, so I've been spending a lot of time watching Netflix, and I have been catching up on Misfits. Uh, If you remember... Probably about 20, 25 episodes ago, I mentioned that I had seen the first season of it. I've now seen the first three seasons. It's a show about... uh, I'm watching the British version. I understand there's an American one. It's a show about some British teenagers who are put into community service and get superpowers through a storm. And it's all their trials and tribulations. And uh, unlike Heroes... It doesn't get stupid in the second season, and even more stupid in the third season. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to have to see that to believe it. It's really, really good, and it's a taste of home as well, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. 
and uh, I highly recommend giving it a look. It's on the Canadian Netflix. It's probably on the American one as well. I know Brad uh, Brad Nelson's a big fan of the show, so I'm sure he would second my recommendation. It is not. You know that a show is good when the Americans make a version of a British show. You know, like all the good British shows, now there's American versions of them. Who, who wants to be a millionaire? Whose line is it anyway? Survivor? I'm sorry. Oh, I was thinking more like Shameless and uh, the office. Being Human. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of more what I was thinking. But L- Luckily, however, there are two of the greatest British shows of all time do not actually have American versions to them. Uh, Doctor Who? And all right, I, I've told I've told Chris this offline, but I'll reveal to you now and all to our listeners. I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who. Get off the couch! <gasps> I, ha- I had oh until this year or last year. Will mm, okay. I, I uh, hadn't no, until I was referring either. to uh, Monty Python. Yeah, but it can't. You couldn't make an American Monty. I Python. was going to say yeah. I, don't, I would love to see how they that, could possibly do that. That's fine, like, but there, there's just not. Yeah, there's one they could have, but thank God they haven't, and that's Faulty Towers. Monty Python is Saturday Night Live. Faulty Towers. No, Saturday Night Live is nothing like Monty. No, it's Python. not. Not that, even close. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's. <laughs> it's just, um, I don't think Towers. it's based on Monty Python either. But they also haven't done. Um, uh, Allo, Allo, which is probably my favorite British comedy of all time. I haven't. See, I gotta, like, I don't know what it was, they, but there's just something about Faulty Towers that I just, I I can't stop laughing every time I watch it. They only did 13 episodes of that show, period. Well, I know, but that's how most BBC shows work, right? No. Um, Torchwood, they didn't really do it so much as steal the actors and write the season specifically for Showtime. And that was like a season after. I mean, that was actually continuing the story as opposed to remaking the show from the beginning and starting, you know, with the same characters, only American versions of them. And there was an American Doctor Who. They made a TV movie of it, and it was terrible. Well, American television has just started up two great new... uh, Has just started two new... uh, Not a new season, really, but um, the second half of the first season of The Walking Dead started back. And the yeah. fourth season of Justified just started. Meh. Yay. Oh, my gosh. It's, I can't wait to go home and watch that. Actually, Yay. there's also the fourth season of Community that watched it, that started. Yeah, from what I heard, that was even worse than the first three seasons. <sighs> okay, one, the first three seasons are not, like, I really want to good. watch Community, but I can't find it. It's just the problem that, like, I mean, it seems like they just kind of have the same actors in the same setting, but it's not the same show. And, like, I realize in TV, like, you know, there's stuff that changes on a regular basis behind the scenes, but it's just so evident that there was a change that it kind of deters from the watching community. So, I mean, still watch it, still support it. You know, hopefully it'll refine its stride, but there's just this something that, mm, I'm not sure. Watch it anyways. We got, like, what, five more months before the next uh, half season of Breaking Bad? Well, we only have two months until, uh, no, a month and a half before Game of Thrones comes back. Uh, I think you guys are missing the most important one. I'm pretty sure in June is when True Blood comes back. Oh, (laughs) how can you stand that show? Uh, How can you say that? It's so good. You think Travis's accent is bad? I'll watch it. 
Oh yeah, no, his his is just uh, there's a couple on, on there that are just awful. Uh, no, but actually, more important is uh, in the summer there's Dexter coming back. Oh, yeah. Long before that, we get both new Doctor Who and new Game of Thrones. Isn't this supposed to be the last season of Dexter? Did I hear that somewhere? It's supposed to be. Okay. All right, that's enough of that. Let's move to shoutouts. Adina, I'm sure you have a few since you've been gone for a while. Sure. Let's start with a shout out to the BS. Happy Valentine's Day, Josh. I love you since I am at your house and you're letting me podcast instead of hanging out with you. So that's pretty cool. Um, and shout out to Martinet for hosting our website and shout out to Card Kitty for the image that is on our website. And, uh, yeah, I've just, I've kind of been, I, I can't even remember. It's been so long. So shout out to you guys because it's so good to be back. Um, and, uh, shout out to my fellow judges from Casper. I, I don't know if I've even cast with you guys since then. And that was like a month ago. So, yeah, definitely that. And, uh, shout out to all the players that were at the Gate, ca- Gate Crash pre-release and also the tournament organizers there, um, at Outland Comics where I was happy enough to be the head judge. So I'm really happy that was, that went really well and really smoothly. And, uh, Shout out to all the all the players here in California that I've met and played with and had fun with. Awesome. Well, shout out. Uh, okay. Uh, I would shout out Marshall and a conversation that we had, but since Chris is being a nitpicker, I won't tell you what it is. But just that to shout out to him, because having him on the cast was absolutely awesome. And the greatest, most biggest ever anti-shout out to Joshua Lemish. He, know, he knows what he did. <laughs> Just like to say about the Marshall show, we've had more positive feedback about the Marshall show than we had about any other show. Chapin, Finkel, Brad Nelson included. Like, everybody who heard it loved it. Most of it was, thank God, Travis was talking less. But there's a couple of people that were like, oh, this Marshall guy seems pretty good. Maybe he should start his own podcast. <laughs> A lot of people were saying how good it was to hear him talking about mo- uh, constructed. Yes, it's actually it's actually a change of pace since you know outside of doing commentary uh, at big events, he never talks about constructed, or it seems that he never talks about constructed. Yeah. Uh, okay, Travis, shout out. Shout out to Billy and Kirk Dubay for uh, dragging my butt to PTQ last weekend. Um, shout out to the lovely wife before Valentine's Day. Um, right, anti shout out to eggs, right? Yes. Anti shout out to anyone who plays eggs because it's a stupid deck and they're a stupid player and they can uh, shut up and down a fire. Seriously, Wizards, it's a turn three deck. Bennett. It now. is. I yeah, lost one that had uh, three islands and three chromatic stars. Hey, wait a second. Shouldn't have Chris have picked for his uh, Pro Tour Fantasy draft as at instant face reward? <laughs> Doesn't he have to like by default pick that? Maybe lotus no. petal for the uh, <laughs> artifact. You know, if they no. just ban lotus petal, that would pretty much kill that deck. Lotus bloom. Lotus or, bloom. Or nah. uh, second sunrise, or uh, reshape, which ended up being the pain in my butt. I mean, who ha- who casts three reshapes on turn three? Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who's playing eggs. <laughs> so, do you want to give a shout out to the guy you Jedi mind tricked? 
I can't remember his name. I do want to give a shout out to someone named Roy. I did not get his last name. I was looking around for my last, the last Gavney Township I needed for the deck, and um, he had one. He looked through my binder, didn't see that he wanted. I offered to buy it, and since the store didn't want players exchanging money for cards, he just gave it to me. So shout out to him for giving me it to Gavney Township. Sweet. So tell us about this mind trick. I'm. Let me see if I can guess. Oh, no, go ahead. All right. It was round, like, six, five or six, and I was playing against a Gifts player. And uh, it was game three. Game one, I had won. Game two, he had won. And um, he had the Gifts for Unburial Rights and Elishnorn package, which is yeah. extremely good against Birthing Pod. So I basically set it out. Sided in everything I had that had a great a toughness greater than two, just to hope to survive. And we get to the pretty much the we're on extra time. We'd run out or extra turns, and he gets the he manages to get the gifts, casts Elishnorn. At this point, I have uh, Restoration Angel and Loxton Smiter in play, and he has Elishnorn. All of his land is tapped, and uh, Death Rite Shaman. And I know he has a path to exile because he's pretty much showed it to me earlier in the game when he was he was considering pathing something. And I know that in my hand I have Zealous Conscripts. And I can cast Zealous Conscripts, take his Zealous Thorn, and attack for the win on my final turn if I can talk him into attacking with the Death Rite Shaman. So when Zealous Thorn comes into play, he moves to his combat step, and I... I this. This kind of may be on the border of being scumbaggy, but I ask him how big his Death Rite Shaman is. He says, well, Elishorn gives all my creatures plus two, plus two, so, I said, so it's a three, four. Yes. And my creatures are only a two, two, and a one, two. He says, yes. So I said, you can attack with that, and I can even block it and kill it. He's like, yes, I think that's what I'm going to do. So he sends it in. <laughs> he sends it in, and I can't cast Zealous Conscripts fast enough out of my hand. To grab the Elish Norn and attack back for like eighteen damage. So, <laughs> but, but but how would that have stopped you? Because even if he hadn't attacked with the Death Rite Shaman, wouldn't just stealing the Elish Norn have killed it? Yes, but he could still path in response to Zealous Conscripts. Oh, so right, with enough shaman. damage to get through, and we were in extra turns. Oh, okay. Right. I am actually impressed by that story. I was, expect yeah, that's I was expecting guy. something like, you know, I told him, look over there, and then I ate one of his cards. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually impressive. I don't find that scummy at all. Well, I, 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 knew, I fully knew everything Elishnorn did. That. I just knew that that was the only out I had, so I, I played up being stupid. No, and you're perfectly allowed, you're perfectly within your rights to play that way. It's actually quite good. You're allowed you're allowed to point out to your opponent that he can swing at you. That's you know, there's nothing but wrong with that. There's no way to block it and kill it if he did. I, well, no, I can't block it, that. Like, no, but like I've I like I've played games where I basically like knew my opponent had a removal spell and pulled it out of their hand on like something that was less optimal only to like then cast a good creature. It's perfectly reasonable. See, what happens is talking is actually quite to your advantage of magic, but most people don't do it. I also put a guy on Life Tilt. 
Oh, jeez. Well, I have to imagine losing to a Kentucky and an Alabama fan will do that to you. Which, by the way, how about them Kentucky Wildcats, Travis? Oh, I know. It's awful. Anyway, you were, how did you put a player on life tilt? I was playing against Red, White, Blue, and we had a very back-and-forth game. And this was the final game. I'd, I was at two life because I had to play a uh, Shockland untapped in order to cast two spells in one turn. I had to Phantasmal Image a uh, Gossessing Traft and then cast a Restoration Angel by itself just to be able to block to keep from dying. And um, his turn he casts another Gossessing Traft, so he has Lethal on the board. And then in my upkeep, Vendillion clicks me. And the only thing I have in my hand at the time are Zealous Conscripts and Court of Calling. I only have six mana, and if I use the cord, I won't have any green mana left to be able to, uh, I have a Birthing Pot in play, to be able to go for the combo to kill him. So I take like two to three minutes thinking about this, and he's finally like, you know, I'm going to call a judge if you don't hurry up. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll just show you my hand. I won't cast anything. He looks at it, then he takes two to three minutes and says, yeah, I see why you took so long. This is a pretty tough decision. Um, I have to be able to pretty much take out all of his cards. He sits and thinks for three minutes and finally says, okay, I'm just going to take the uh, Zealous Conscripts. I put the Zealous Conscripts on the bottom, draw Kiki Jiki off the top, combo out and win. And oh, oh, oh. his next card was a lightning bolt to kill me. So <laughs> he took, scooped up his cards and walked out the door. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, all right. Has everyone gone? Is it my turn now? I believe it's your yeah. turn. Okay. So I want to give a massive shout-out to Andrea for being so supportive and wonderful. Uh, a shout-out to, to Wu, obviously, and uh, wish him best of luck at the Pro Tour. We're all rooting for you, buddy. Uh... Big shout out to Twinger Andrew, who is still mourning the loss of Seething Song. Also, remember, buddy, sneak attack gives creatures haste. There's a story there. Actually, speaking uh, of bannings, uh, Jund is much better without Bloodbraid Elf. I could have sworn I said like that. I don't think it's much better, better but uh, oh, no, it's like infinite times better. My my teammate Billy did. Uh, he top aided the PTQ I was at with Jund, and then um, went five and two the next day at uh, PTQ in Memphis. So, no, like Jund mirrors now are just infinitely easier. Yeah, I told you it was going to be better without it, and everybody was like, "You're crazy." Well, in all fairness, you are crazy. Not as not because of that, just like, <laughs> in general. But continue with your shoutouts. Uh, I want to give another shout out to. The guys in Grand Falls, Windsor, at the GPT I had judged on Saturday. Uh, it was really good. Good to get out to another store, see another meta. Uh, it was interesting, to say the least. We had a good time out there. Picked up some cards, did some trading, had some fun. Good times were had by all. And I think that's it for my shout-outs. Yep, that'll do it. So, on that note, Actually, I got music to play us out since the Ravens did win. No, you haven't. Oh, I do. No. Is it the final countdown? No, it's We Are the Champions, obviously. Is Queen song? Ugh, I can't hear that. Jeez. Oh. No. Take us out, Chris. This is not happening. <laughs> it just makes me picture Will in a mullet headbanging. So on that note, let's wrap this baby up. 
So, for Adina, for Will, and for Travis, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notion. Ravens are the champs, baby.